What is up, fellow thermonuclear AFers? As we used to say in the Discord, don't say as much anymore. So what's up, thermonuclear AFers? I am Nava Valley coming at you with another Hardware Knox episode. Running a little bit late on this Monday because I decided to actually try and get my sleep pattern under control for a change to where I'm going to bed maybe before the sun comes up. Uh, my body rebelled. I slept from like 1 until like 5.15 in the morning, but I got up, was able to go to the gym early rather than trying to squeeze in a workout midday or late at night, which in theory keeps me wired later and later. So I'll keep you apprised of how that's going because I'm sure all of you care. You should not. I'm just kidding about how my sleep schedule is going. Um, before we get started, just a reminder, whether you're listening to this via podcast or on YouTube, uh, hit that subscribe button. It helps us out a ton, especially on YouTube at this point, like videos, comment on them, subscribe to us. That all helps the algorithm make YouTube love us back a little bit as we continue to build up this community. Um, and also just, if you're new to listening to the podcast at large, we really do a thoroughly seriously unseriously job of covering the nba at large consider throwing us that permanent subscription if you've done all those things word of mouth can help a ton so tell people to subscribe to our youtube channel or subscribe to our podcast when you see those um, solicitations on twitter for i'm looking for a new podcast what's your favorite podcast just throw us in those mentions and know that if nothing else it'll make me all warm and fuzzy inside and that i will love you eternally forever and ever and ever and ever um not a ton of new news and i'm gonna have to try and get maybe creative until we start doing our off-season report cards which i delayed at this point because we're trying to wait and see like maybe a donovan mitchell trade goes through or katie trade goes through um there was sort of a friday news dump i did youtube videos about it and so the first part of this podcast will actually not be on youtube so it's a podcast exclusive except there was already youtube exclusive right before the weekend um sham sharani of the athletic reporting that the hornets and wizards are among the teams that have like kind of been involved in the donovan mitchell sweepstakes and they're really aside from the knicks and the heat the only team that have been like tangibly mentioned um i feel like the wizards were sort of out there in the ether that you there is a donovan mitchell a few of them like photoshop and a wizard's jersey jersey that you don't really have to go hunting for still to hear that i'm not i don't read too much into the knicks and jazz having not spoken in two weeks apparently uh that's more like per multiple sources nba executives go on vacation this time of year while holding the rest of us hostage to this news cycle who just want to start analyzing and projecting forward and reviewing the offseason in some um, I'm waiting to see what happens with this stuff. And you can rest assured, I'm going to leave the, the team look-aheads when we get there, the Jazz and the um, the Nets, and then probably even the Nets. Like, I'm going to have to leave those things to the very end just because of the way this is unfolding. But anyway, Hornets, Wizards with the Jazz. I'll start with Charlotte. I don't think they have the assets realistically to get a deal done. You're not going to include LaMelo because the whole point would be to, to play those two together. And I love that fit offensively. Donovan Mitchell does a pretty good job def, uh, playing off the ball and LaMelo can play off the ball as well, but just putting those two in the same system, um, that would be absolutely thermonuclear. How about that? Um, a little callback there. I think you could worry about what the end result would be on defense. You're going to worry about that anyway. But now you start getting into, um, I think first and foremost, we have to assume that like they figure out a way to um, include picks. So they have their uh, 2023 first is gone at the moment. And so they have Denver and that's lotto protected. Um, and you can count on basically having that, but they owe their first right now to Atlanta. It's top 16 protected, then lottery protected for two years. Um, before it turns into two seconds that in theory if you wanted to throw that out of the equation they can't trade a first round pick until 2027 they could do something like 2025 contingent upon that uh obligation 
but then it could get pushed back and you can't look at that as a guaranteed first round pick. But let's just say like they can include the Denver pick. And if they're willing to go um, 27 and 29 there, maybe with a 2028 swap. So you could find a way to include three first round picks. uh, I believe, unless my math is off here. I'm like looking at my spreadsheet right now with the pick commitments. Um, No, that should be right. So the, the protections on that ends in 2025. So you could go 27, 29 to 28 swap plus that Denver 2023 pick. Do you have any players who are immediately valuable enough uh, to the Jazz to kind of serve as that buffer of, oh, they're getting that Denver first-round pick, which is going to be like number 27 or whatever it will be. And it'll convey. Like, it'll convey. So you know you're getting a first-round pick. um, But do you want – like, you have your own first-round pick. You have Minnie's first-round pick at this point. How many 2023 first-round picks do you need? So there's that to consider. Uh I saw some pushback in the YouTube comments that, well, we can't give up Mark Williams in this deal. And I was like, well, then there's a really good chance that you're not going to get Donovan Mitchell because you need to sort of grease the wheels of a trade that can't guarantee Utah um, draft assets really anytime soon, aside from that Denver pick. And so, yeah, maybe PJ Washington, he's extension eligible. I don't think the Jazz want to acquire someone like him or an RJ Barrett or a Tyler Hero, who is in turn... Um, going to get paid. It just doesn't seem where they want to go. I still very much believe in James Booknight. Maybe I just got too high on him during the 2021 Summer League. Uh, but if I'm Charlotte and it's going to take two of Booknight, Williams, and Kai Jones, like I'm, I'm just giving that up and then I'll, I'll include whatever requisite salaries needed to get done. That's complicated in itself because I don't know that Utah is going to view Terry Rozier in the first year of his four-year um, four extension uh, as an asset. Just like they might have no problem taking on that money. Uh, and he is a very useful player, but I it just like four years and basically a hundred million bucks, not entirely guaranteed. Um, but it's just like that's a lot of money for a player who's a non-star and you're just entering your rebuild. Uh, maybe you don't care. Maybe Danny Ainge still has an affinity for him back from their Boston days. I honestly don't know. You would have to get there probably with you do have those smaller salaries in Book Night. And Mark Williams, let's just say that brings you to eight million. And then you have uh, Mason Plumley expiring, Kelly Bray Jr. twelve point six million dollars expiring. So you can get there; it's not impossible. I think if you have Mitchell and Lamelo playing a bunch of minutes, um, one, it's good that you resigned Cody Martin. I'm going to tell you that right now. And you need to figure out a way to maybe keep Kelly Bray Jr. as part of this deal. Um, so it does get a little bit finicky. I don't think the Jazz are going to want Gordon Hayward, um, but. I think this, whatever team is getting Donovan Mitchell should maybe try and, or the Jazz or the Lakers, like the Lakers should try and get involved as like sort of a third team that's getting value. Maybe the Jazz don't want so that they can get rid of Russell Westbrook. And that might be the the path for them to explore there, if I'm being honest. So um, it's not the worst offer in the world, but in this specific instance, I just don't view Charlotte as a team that can beat the Knicks offer right now and feasibly go after Donovan Mitchell. I really don't think that team is out there. Um, if OKC had better salary matching fodder, if New Orleans had any like real motivation to go after Donovan Mitchell, but you have CJ McCollum and Brandon Ingram's eye on there, like you don't you don't need another you know point of attack creator on on offense. In my my I guess not so humble opinion there, since I'm speaking in such absolutes at the moment. Um, but that's like that's the offer is you have to figure out a way to get like three picks and then some swaps in there, um, or at least one swap in 2028. I think the Jazz would value just the way that the Hornets have have reacted. Are you going to go that route um, in Charlotte? Again, I would do it, but I just don't think you're going to have the offer to beat uh, like out other teams. But it could help if the Lakers come in and they're willing to take Gordon Hayward. Do they really want Terry Rozier? 
So are they sending another pick to the Jazz? Maybe two. Um, if the Jazz are sending out other money, like if the Lakers can get their hands on Boyan Bogdanovich or a Mike Conley or a Malik Beasley in that. So that might be a way for them to re to get even more assets. But you are going to have to cake in the fact that, oh, they are taking on Russell Westbrook. And look, if I'm Charlotte um, and like this is going to cost three of Washington, Book Knight, Williams and Kai Jones plus draft equity, it gets fickle. I'm doing it anyway. I'm just I'm not going to lie. I don't like why is P.J. Washington going to be your breaking point there at this point? Uh, so, uh, that's where I'm at. I would, I, I get why Charlotte's interested. I just question whether they have a viable package to offer Washington, I think can offer a stronger pack package than people credit. And a lot of people in the YouTube comments push back because they don't watch the full video, uh, apparently. And I know I get how the sausage is made. I get how reactions are made. I guess I really only care that they're liking and subscribing. They don't even need to watch at that point, but please watch the full video. Um, Washington is similarly pick strapped. They have a 2023 lotto pick going to New York, but it's top 12 protected basically until the end of time. And by that, I mean, it's top nine protected in 2026. So it's probably going to convey, but if we're being honest and we're throwing that out of um, the equation, they cannot offer promise a first round pick right now before 2028. And you could go swaps in 27 and 29. And then that 2028 pick that's like very underwhelming. Even when you're including other stuff, you could try and broker a deal with New York for them to unprotect that pick. Why is New York doing that when they want Donovan Mitchell? I understand that's a hurdle. I do, however, think that Washington is uniquely positioned to offer more tangible talent that the Jazz should be interested in. And so that helps a little bit. And we know that like the Jazz are going to have imminent first-round picks coming in um, from Minnesota in you know, basically every other year, um, in addition to that pick swap in 2026. I believe that's unprotected. So you can build offers. I'm just going to assume, and this was just... I'm, I'm trying to view it from Utah's perspective here, since I feel like they could almost name their price with some of these other teams. Bradley Beal off the table. He signed a Supermax, yada, yada, yada. Kristaps Porzingis, you don't want him. I just he's I guess he's young enough, and you could use some bodies at center if you don't want to take back a ton of players because you have 14 already on your roster. It's the offseason. Figure out a way to do it. I don't, he might, I don't think he's going to add wins to your rebuild, but whatever. Uh, the $36 million player option on 23-24, I just... I don't know why Utah would, would want him unless they think, unless Danny Ainge and company think that he's just sort of some diamond in not, I guess not the rough at this point. He played well uh, after he was traded to the Wizards, but unless they sort of view him as like, oh, this cornerstone who won't really impact our one-year tank, but you're going to have to pay him soon. He's also making a shit ton of money. If they want him, you give him up. I just don't think they would is, is where I'm at. And so now you're getting into basically every other salary on your roster. And while Barton and Monte Morris can't be aggregated until... I don't know what the date is on that. I can't remember if they're September 6th or like right at the start of September, whatever. This deal can be agreed to, completed later. Just that that's where we're at. Training camp doesn't open. It's its really, it's no later than like September, September 6th in my head. I don't know if it's because that's my wife's birthday. Um, hashtag good husbanding. But it's its its before training camp. So everything's fine there. Um, but you have Barton at a $14.4 million expiring salary. Kuzma, $13 million expiring salary. He has a player option for, for next season that he's likely to decline. Monte Morris has two years at under 19 million left. That that's an asset there. Not moving to Lon Wright to the middle of the season. Rui Hachimura essentially expiring at 6.3. And then Denny Avia, who I think is like one of the more intriguing players that could be offered in a Donovan Mitchell deal. He's at 4.9 million. And so I think you look at a Washington package from this perspective is it's Denny Avia, Johnny Davis. And then I'm probably, I'd probably push for Daniel Gafford here. And that's like, 
barely, I don't even, that's not even $12 million in total salary, but it's those three players. If the Jazz want Corey Kispert, like fine, you that, but I'm looking at those three players specifically as anchoring your package. And then are you either, you do have the salary filler. I just lined out like a whole bunch. Are the Jazz intrigued by Hachimura? Can you get a first round pick for Kyle Kuzma um, or a first round pick for Monte Morris? Do the Jazz want Monte Morris? You could go the route of like Will Barton, Monte Morris, Avdia Davis, Gafford, and then hope that can you include enough draft equity in there? Is there a way to, you know, on to broker the protections off that New York pick? Um, at that point, you know, if you're the Knicks, I wouldn't like if that you're just willing to send them and, or maybe it's even as simple as like, Hey, can we get it um, top like something protected, keep the protections this year, but then it's unprotected in 2024. So you're sort of hedging against the wizard's future another year. And then you can at least send 26 and 28 picks and then 27 and 29 swaps. If you're the Knicks, you could be looking at it from the perspective of maybe we'll get Donovan Mitchell when he hits free agency. How happy is he going to be in Washington? It's a challenge for Washington, but I do think the players they can offer Gafford, Avdi and Davis specifically um, those are very interesting talents. Is it better than the youngsters the Knicks can send over when you look at Grimes, Toppin, quickly, specifically? I think it's on the same level. I think of all the players I just named, um, while I'm very high on Grimes, I think Denny Avdi is very clearly the best player among them right now. So underrated defensively, I think he has more playmaking to offer. I think there's a framework there. If the Knicks decide they're out of it or the Jazz want to complete a deal before the season and the Knicks won't budge on their asking price, I think the Wizards can get in there. However... What I want to talk about is the scenario that I don't know if enough people are talking about, or it's just something I started pondering. Would the Jazz consider actually letting this leak into the season? And the whole point of the Rudy Gobert trade was they got so much because they made it clear that they were going to, they were okay with keeping him. It's a little bit different now with Donovan Mitchell because you can convey that sentiment, but you've already started blowing up your team. And so it just gets like super fucking awkward. If you go into the regular season with Donovan Mitchell on the roster, uh, is Mike Conley and William Bogdanovich and Jordan Clarkson all still there? What is, what is going on with that? Um, so, you know, you're this team in transition. I don't view Donovan Mitchell as for all this talk about him wanting out of Utah. I don't know. Like there, and the reports of like rifts between fit with him and Rudy Gobert, that shit happens in the NBA. There's not like reports of Donovan Mitchell being this shitty teammate or a human being. So I don't know that he would agitate to get out just because he's heard his name in trade rumors. I think it's also worth noting while people have expected the trade demand to come uh, and that report that he's unhappy in Utah, like he's not the one as at least as far as we know right now, that is driving this. It's the jazz because they were exploring a rebuild. That's fine. Um, so I, if you bring him back, I'm like weirdly okay with it. And I'll get into why, because I don't think he becomes a disruptor. Uh, I also don't think that this Jazz roster is currently constructed. I guess you could be worried about Mitchell's value being hurt because you'll suck. But I also don't think the good part of that is I still think you'll be kind of bad, uh, even if you don't trade Conley and Boya Bogdanovich. Like, it's not going to screw with your one-season tank and you have a whole season to get it done. Now, the reason you would wait is maybe you're playing a game of chicken with the Knicks, but also we're at sort of like the optimistic point of the NBA offseason. Like, we're soon going to get into even more reports. Definitely going to training camp. Everybody lost. 15 pounds while somehow putting on 10 pounds of extra muscle though and decreasing their body fat percentage in a healthy way in the single digits. Um, they gained just 25 pounds of muscle if they were frail over a six week period, because that's totally humanly possible and definitely happen. Teams are getting content with their rosters. Um, maybe not if you're in the Kevin Durant sweepstakes, it does feel like we're waiting on more moves right now than normal in part because of the Mitchell and Kevin Durant stuff, holding up transactions, uh, what's going on with Colin Sexton in Cleveland. 
So you could make that case that there is a little bit more unrest. But if you wait, could there be a team that starts the regular season piss poor and they decide, oh, we need to go all in on this Donovan Mitchell trade? And one, it could be the Knicks if you're Utah. Like if they're drawing a hard line in the sand where it's like they only want to give three picks and like, I don't know, Grimes and Toppin, and then they, they want you to take on Randall or Fournier. Um, you could wait them out. If they get if they just even get off to like a four and seven start or something ridiculous, like not even non-ridiculous like that, but after receiving the criticism that they have and going after Brunson, Brunson and clearly the urgency with which they've at least tried to get or have been eyeing other stars since Leon Rose came aboard. Do we really like, isn't there a possibility that they then go all in and they up their offer because they realize, Oh, we're not as good without Donovan Mitchell. Do you risk also like the offers getting worse from them? No. And that's why I think that it's feasible that you could wait because is the Knicks, let's say the Knicks best offer right now. Is it going to get any worse if you wait to go into the season? They're not a team that's going to worry about disrupting their roster in the middle of the year. I'm just going to, I'm going to tell you that right now. They're not a team that's going to worry about that. So I think if you're just so sort of turned off by what everyone else is offering and you're not, you don't want the Knicks package right now, maybe you can't get as many of their first round picks unprotected into the future as you want. I would wait it out just to see, or maybe going into training camp, they decide to, to um, just up their ante. And so it feels like Utah might have more leverage there. And then it also increases to me, the likelihood that does another team come over the top and it's, I don't know what Miami's best offer is right now, but do they get into a scenario where like, do they actually figure out a way to get other first round picks to send to the jazz? Uh, is, are there surprise teams that does that become um, part of this in the middle of the year? Those are harder to spot. Uh, and like, I don't really know what you, like what you get into. Like is, is Orlando good enough to where like, well, maybe we should consider a Donovan Mitchell trade because we're, we're too good right now. Uh, does Toronto get off to a slower start or decide to get involved at the Donovan Mitchell sweepstakes because they missed out on Kevin Durant, which would be sort of the other flip side of this is if a team gets Kevin Durant, uh, there are going to be other jilted teams out there. Would they consider joining the, the Donovan Mitchell sweepstakes at that point? Um, I don't, I don't know if they would, I think in itself, it could be valuable just to wait to see if the Knicks drive up their offer and I get that I'm having trouble spotting surprise suitors right now. I did think about this before I came on, but like a, a Cleveland or something, they have they didn't do much over the offseason. Granted, they weren't very flexible. Mitchell's a very intriguing fit there. Um, does something happen in the middle of the year after they've resigned Colin Sexton where he could be used as salary fodder? You have Karis LeVert, where they're just more willing to do something nuclear when it comes to maybe just trading away their entire draft since they're on this. You know, you look at their core and it's not an immediate timeline, but at the same time, Allen and Mobley. And uh, Dar Darius Garland, like that's a real legitimate triple, like three player base there. And if you bring back Colin Sexton, they made the trade with Karis LeVert uh, because they clearly like view themselves. And like I was fine with the trade for Karis LeVert last year, um, but I'm saying they made that trade because th there is some immediacy there. And so do they come over the top with something? Uh, I don't think a team like Detroit or Indiana would get involved. Though I've been on the record saying like Indiana would be like kind of sneaky fun. What about Memphis? Like if they just, I actually really hate the fit between Donovan Mitchell and John Morant, uh, even though Donovan Mitchell can play well off the ball. Are they like, do they fall off the feel good vibes and find out that they've leaned too far into their own development just because, you know, you let Kyle Anderson walk. You've now placed a lot of pressure on Zaire Williams, even D Drake, Jake Laravia and David Roddy. I shouldn't say maybe so much pressure, but you're clearly invested in like, continuing to develop 
what if that slows? Like, could they decide to get involved in that? Uh, I don't think like uh, we know many won't do it. Milwaukee doesn't have the the assets. New Orleans should not be interested. OKC salary matching is too tough. I suppose Philly could all of a sudden be interested, but aside from putting Tyrese Maxey on the table, like they just don't have the pick equity to do it. Phoenix could be kind of interesting if they miss out on Kevin Durant. It's the middle of the year, uh, January. DeAndre is now trade eligible. He can decline a trade, um, but would he? He'd have a chance to be the guy in Utah, and you could build out picks with that. I don't know how you feel about having Chris Paul, Donovan Mitchell, and Devin Booker, but Donovan Mitchell and Chris Paul are tight, uh, and Donovan Mitchell certainly gives you that you know, third ball handler. And look, the Timeline podcast, I believe, I, I think it was them, phrased it the best way, that the Suns have a third best player problem right now, where it's very clearly DeAndre Ayton, but do you trust that he has the self-creation enough to uh, offset what you're sort of losing or what it looked like you lacked a lot in the, not just this past postseason when you flamed out, but in the 2021 finals matchup with Milwaukee, you're smaller. But like Chris Paul's getting up there in age, um, if you're allowed to keep Jay Crowder as part of that deal, you're definitely not keeping Cam Johnson. Is there a way to get Donovan Mitchell without giving up Mikael Bridges? Because then that might make it a little bit more palatable. So that, that's maybe a team. I already said I would love it if Orlando would get involved. Portland's not going to get involved. I don't think Sacramento would get involved. That, that would be fucking wild. But does Washington figure out a way to increase the appeal of its offer? Maybe Kristaps is like off to a scorching start, but the Wizards aren't good enough. I kind of thought momentarily, what if the Bulls, got involved, but they have DeRozan and Levine. And so like they've already traded away their, their 2025 pick. So they could, and you can realistically expect that 2025 pick to convey it's top 10 protected. So like you can sort of go the, okay, 27 and 29 and like 27 expires immediately if it doesn't uh, convey, but it's, so, it's protected so far out that that even gets tough. So you only have, Portland's 2023 first. Your 2023 first is headed to Orlando. And like you're getting into Alonzo Ball and Caruso. If Patrick Williams is involved and he's having a breakout year, okay, fine. But you need probably a wing more than you need Donovan Mitchell. And so I'm looking at a team like maybe Cleveland, Washington, just figuring out a way to be even more aggressive. Maybe Charlotte figures out a way to be even more aggressive. Um, and of course, then there's, there's the Knicks. I mentioned the Raptors. Like it just feels like stuff happens in the season that changes everything. Could the Celtics, let's just say they get they miss on the Kevin Durant sweepstakes or they opt not to trade for Kevin Durant, which I don't, I'm personally saying, I don't think they should. If it was like Jalen Brown and salary filler straight up to get to that salary filler, it costs you a rotation player though. Um, I might consider it, but let's just say they pass on Kevin Durant or miss out on Kevin Durant, but then the season doesn't get like, it's just their offense. Let's just say is bunk. Do they consider like getting in on Donovan Mitchell? Um, can they do that without giving up Jalen Brown? If they're willing to include RW3 and Marcus Smart is in there, would you even consider Jalen Brown for Mitchell straight up at that point? Even though wings are like most the most sought after commodity in the NBA. I'm not endorsing that, but I'm just saying that like, could that happen? Does uh, something open up with Brooklyn? Just like they decide that they want to move on from Ben Simmons or KD is that's the other thing is like, let's just say KD's not traded. Uh, or and so a few things could happen here. KD's not traded. Maybe Kyrie Irving does get traded. Um, maybe no one gets traded. Maybe everyone gets traded in Brooklyn, but Katie gets traded in the middle of the year. Can you latch on to that third-team deal because the Nets still want to win? They want out of Mitchell. Ben Simmons gets moved elsewhere. Is it a situation where maybe the Nets have both Kyrie and Katie, but they still want to go the third ball handler approach? Wouldn't Utah be interested in like a package built around Ben Simmons and other stuff? I don't think that that's particularly likely, but I'm just saying even a you know Dallas – he'd be perfect, but just like, they're not going to be able to get the the pick equity is uh, they can give 2025, 20, basically 27 and 29 first round picks a swap in 26 and 
and 28 and 24 if they wanted to do that. And that's assuming their pick to New York conveys, but they just don't have the body equity. They have the salaries to match, but Utah would have to really love, you know, Josh Green, Jaden Harvey, uh, maybe Christian Wood a little bit. I'm just saying there are scenarios that could arise in the middle of the season because teams are going to be more reactive than they are right now when everything's sort of rosy. And so I'm, I just think there's a higher percentage chance than we're speaking about right now that Donovan Mitchell is on the Jazz leading into the season. And my, my guess, my ultimate guess would be just because when you look at the trade landscape right now, it doesn't feel like there's any team that's bl- going to blow New York's best offer, even if it's not what Utah considers New York's best offer. Like New York is, we know they're still holding assets back. I think even with New York taking a reserved approach, it doesn't seem like there's a team that can come really over the top and beat them that would realistically be interested in Donovan Mitchell. I think that could change if you wait until the season. Would I predict it? I still wouldn't. But when we know that right now it feels like New York is the field, it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if the Jazz um, if the Jazz are going to wind up waiting. I just think it's a possibility there. And so let me know what you think about that. Uh, Subscribe and whatnot to the podcast rate review. If you're listening to this on iTunes or Spotify or another podcast player, if you're on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button. It helps us out a ton and the like button. Uh, I actually did have one final issue I wanted to get in here too. And it's like, we it was the Zion Williamson contract uh, details that leaked out in advance of the weekend. came from NOLA.com um, that Williamson's contract features a clause that states he will have weigh-ins throughout the deal to measure his combined weight and body fat percentage to ensure it doesn't in- exceed a total of 295. If it does, guaranteed money in Zion's extension, which kicks in not this coming season, but the next one, can be reduced. So this became like a thing on Twitter and talk shows. I Zion's apparently pissed off about it. That was in some, um, not, I think he's pissed off maybe not even that it's out there, but per William Guillory of The Athletic was writing that Zion is annoyed that people talk about his weight and that he doesn't actually have a problem with the fat jokes is what William wrote, but that he does take issue with people criticizing his work ethic as a result of the weight issues. So this is, I don't like this. The the clause existing, like I kind of, I understand it because if you're worried about a players weight like these are professional athletes and they get commoditized as these assets which i hate but like i kind of understand trying to hedge your bets when when he's been injured i'd be curious to see like is there any leeway if he does get injured like how hard is it to him to stay under combined 295 because look 295 is he's listed i'm looking right now at 284 and so that would be like a a 10 percent body fat percentage um which stan van gundy once said per the athletic that when he was coaching zion zion was at um, the Pelicans have been worried that Zion puts on muscle. So, well, I'm just, I think what I have the bigger issue, and look, there are people that I respect who have talked about Zion's um, distance from New Orleans in the past, his work ethic issue, him coming, him coming into training camp out of shape. I get all that. And you can't just say he's a 22-year-old kid because he is a professional athlete. Taking care of your body is going to be part and parcel of the job description here. That's the industry that you're in. I'm just... I'm not with the body shaming of a 22 year old, I guess. Like he's 22. We have people in their thirties, forties sitting on their couch, like the keyboard warriors calling them fat, talking about the new Orleans food. That is regressive to me. And even if Zion doesn't really have a problem with it, he's also a human being. And so I get why he is pissed off that people are like trying to equate this to a lack of work ethic. Could it be maybe, but like the discourse around it, even if we're trying to be 
more real realistic than kind or even reasonable because the, the discussion's not going to go away. It just exists around professional athletes. There's a less destructive way to have it. And I kind of, you know, like, again, if I'm a 22 year old and most 22 year olds are not, even in the NBA are not in tune with their bodies to the degree that the Pelicans are asking, but Zion per the athletic has hired a personal chef is taking this seriously. 22 year olds in the NBA are not taking care of their bodies. Like you would think, like we see, a switch flipping later on in the career where players even who do take great care of their body, not everyone's a LeBron. And when did he, you know, start taking like real care of his body when we're talking about a meticulous diet and him spending over a million dollars per year on body maintenance, Chris Paul becoming vegan that happened in the middle, um, early to mid thirties for him. And so I get that Zion as someone who has a unique body type needs to be more cognizant of it. And I get the criticism of, if you're investing all this money in someone, you want them to be committed to the franchise coming in um, to training camp in shape. But like, th- he really hasn't had a healthy offseason, basically, since he arrived in New Orleans. Doesn't that factor into it at all? Again, there's probably fair criticisms to be made here. I just don't think we should troll him for being mad uh, that people make fun of his weight or that they think he's lazy. That is human behavior. That is human emotion. And I feel very skeezy. I make jokes on Twitter about players who are younger than me. I'm also not trying to say that, like, my jokes are the types of jokes you could make. But as I've been in the industry a little bit longer and gotten a little bit older, I try and I hope like getting away from the personal or something that's like could really be offensive or might be beyond the player's control. I'm not saying that Zion can't take better care of his body. That's not what I'm saying. And I'm sure some of this is within the realm of possibility, but like this is someone who's so anomalous when you look at his build, like could it just be tougher for him to keep the weight down and to hit this number than most, I guess the organization does think it's a, that there's an element of a, a work ethic deficit here, or that there's a reason this needs to be in it. Fine. We also knew it was going to come out because everything comes out these days. Literally just, just everything. This is not something we should be mad. That came out. It was inevitable. I'm sure Zion knew it was going to come out, but I just feel like the reaction uh, that it's a lack of self-awareness. Someone told me on Twitter when I said that, uh, this is just, I, I quote tweeted like the report about Zion being upset. Like sources say athletes are human beings with real emotions. I'm just, that is the stuff that gets to me. It's like, we can't allow a player uh, to be like, you know, emotionally offended by what people have said about his weight or his work ethic. And yet yeah, there's the proven wrong mentality, but people like myself who are not zoomed in on the situation should not be able to comment on what's happening behind the scenes and just assume because he looks one way. We don't know what he's struggling with off the court. And it's even like with the Julius Randall stuff um, this past year, I hate to equate everything to the Knicks. I was exceedingly hard on him and his body language to me was fucking disgusting. Now it's been said um, and Knicks film schools noted this on multiple occasions. I can't remember who else wrote about it. That said, I think maybe Fred Katz had said something at the athletic. I don't want to misattribute there, but that when players are struggling that mightily, there's something else going on. And I want to be, you know, I want to be able to acknowledge that and account for that. But a lot of the stuff, when you looked at Julius Randle that was happening on the court, just feeling like he was trying to exist like in an entirely different offensive ecosystem than the Knicks um, were trying to run or that needed him to be in. Like, that's the stuff that you're going to criticize. Like, and I get that this is more basketball related. I just, in the end, unless you have intimate knowledge of what's going on and unless you're willing to put a name to it. And it's, I think the two need to be combined. It's not my name's on my Twitter handle so I can call Zion obese. No, that's not, that's not how it works. If there's going to be people who are close to the situation that are going to report about Zion as a teammate or Zion's work ethic or about his weight struggles, put your fucking name to it if that's going to be 
in a report. Like not, oh, the team in general is concerned. No, put your name on it. Like that's the whole anonymous sourcing thing provides unfair protection on certain instances. I get when it's a trade rumor or whatever, fine. But when we're talking about like, oh yeah, I would take, you know, fucking Dorian Finney-Smith is a better, I I, I mean, when you're talking about like players where it's, no, I, I think Colin Sexton sucks. And like, put your name on that. If you're, if you're like plugged it in saying, oh, the Cavs prefer Jetty Osmond to Colin Sexton. I'm making shit up right now. Um, so that's where my issue comes. I don't really think that this is a rant insofar as it just makes me uncomfortable when people are, and I understand, I want to make it clear that uh, women and others uh, are objectified way more and harshly than professional athletes. So this is just, uh, you know, an indictment on our entire society. But um, Zion specifically, and the NBA specifically, because that's what I'm covering, it's a 22-year-old that we're all as adults going to come in and call fat and say that he's lazy and how much, how many of us have been around or are talking to people close in the organization. And I really hope I don't get DMS because that invariably happens when I say things, and I guess I should be happy that people are listening, but I, it invariably I get either first time listeners, maybe they're long time listeners. Um, they come into my DMS and say like, well, I've actually heard from people who are like from the organization that so-and-so actually wants out and like this and that and like, okay, fine. I'm talking about specifically, you know, if people are putting that out there themselves, is there a reason that you haven't put that out there then if you're so close to these organizations? And this is not, it's again, it's just happened in other scenarios. I'm just, it makes me uncomfortable, the discourse around what is a 22 year old. I know it's different because of the job that he has. And I know that these things are going to leak out. And there's certainly a conversation to be had about work ethic, players coming in shape, how they're playing and their diet. Like there's a conversation to be had. I don't think we need to be demeaning devout like dev or like devaluing or deprecating and just assume that they all suck in general uh it's like this isn't a james harden situation either where he was just very clearly trying to get out of off of houston and then off of brooklyn like yeah that shit it was happening on the court and you saw it uh zion struggling with his weight after missing a year because of injury like is that really a surprise he's such an again such an anomalous body type and human being it's got to be harder to stay within that 10% uh, body fat range when you're not as active and you're dealing with what is an injury that's going to definitely inhibit your activity. So that's where I land on it. It's not even just I'm disgusted by the clause. I would just be curious if something's happened. Like, is there leeway if he's injured? Like, how hard is it? If he's listed at 284 and you're just telling him he has to be at 10% the entire time, it, should he get injured again? I know there's – so I'm curious to see how it gets enforced. And I know that this, the structure seems unique because the athletic gave examples and they weren't like big name players. And it doesn't seem like this is very common. So you're investing in someone who's been injured. I get it. Um, three years in a career has missed more than half the games that he's eligible to play for through those three years. I like, I get it. I get why it exists or why these discussions have to be had. I just hope there's a more productive way to do it moving forward when we recognize, especially, I'm not saying you should have carte blanche to criticize LeBron not going low enough on squats because he's in his late thirties. I'm not saying that either. Like we, we need to have better discussions about this, especially when like we're not, when we're uninformed intimately on this subject, when we can't, you can't tell me specifically, if you can't tell me specifically what's happening behind the scenes, what he's struggling with, is he just coming in with, you know, two dozen beignets as a, a pre-workout meal? every single day and is refusing to work out away from the court. It doesn't seem like that's the issue because the Pelicans were worried about how quickly he was gaining muscles for the athletic. So I guess that turned into a rant and I don't, again, it's not with the clause and I'm not saying that Zion has been this beacon um, 
of like good health or work ethic? Honestly, I don't know. I know JJ Reddick had said on ESPN and for him to say that and put his name on it at the time that he was there or that he knew for a fact, even when he wasn't there, that like Zion seemed like a distant teammate. It's also weird when you're injured and you're a 22 year old, a 20 something year old who has like the hopes of the franchise on his shoulders and everyone's reporting shit without actually talking to you. I get the frustration here. And it's compounded by the fact that everyone was talking about his future and assigning stances to his name without really ever hearing from him. I'm not saying all those are wrong because there are people I trust um, who very much believe that there was an issue with Zion and how he felt about New Orleans and just the distance between him and in the organization. And did this injury change that at all? Because he wanted to guarantee himself some long-term security. It's not me saying Zion is perfect. This is more so just like, I'm repeating myself here. I hope that we can be a little bit more like, like we need to continue doing a better job of humanizing professional athletes and so many other people, but uh, professional athletes, NBA players in general is what I'm talking about here. That is actually it this time. I hope you all enjoyed my incoherent rambling at the end. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to this wherever you are consuming us, YouTube, your podcast player. Uh, I don't know where else you would be consuming us besides a podcast player or YouTube. If it's, you know, if you're listening to this on TikTok, I didn't post it there. So, um, but please also follow us on all the socials. Those are in the podcast description. Join our Discord. Uh, if you want priority when it comes to mailbag questions answered, the links to that are in our YouTube channel descriptions and as well as the podcast description. Until next time. And as always, I leave the shout out to the one, the only, the pinnacle of work ethic in the NBA, Frank Mila Keener.